What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Tuesday, December 8th. Hopefully, all you guys are continuing to stay safe out there as we continue to navigate throughout this coronavirus pandemic, man. As always, please wash your hands as much as possible to keep the germs off your skin. Please wear a face mask whenever you are out in a public area or public space so you can stop the spread of the virus. And as always, if you have any type of sunlight or sunshine wherever you are at on the globe, please go out and get into that sun because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is no different. But hopefully all you guys are doing good out there. Hopefully all you guys are staying safe. I hope all you guys have a blessed, successful, filled week and just keep grinding every single day, man. Try and get better even if it's just 1% better each day because every single day is an opportunity to take advantage of. It's an opportunity to get better and just make the most of each day, man. Do not let these days pass you by. End off the year 2020 on a high note so you can go into 2021 feeling good and feeling better about yourself and just keep stacking up good days. Try and make every day your best day. But hopefully all you guys are straight, man. Of course, we're still demanding justice for Rihanna Taylor. We're still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. And we're still going to demand justice for anybody that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings. It needs to stop. It has been going on for far too long. We've been dealing with it for way too long. We're about to go into 2021. It needs to stop point blank, period. But Before I actually get into today's topics at hand, I want to give a huge happy belated birthday shout out to the legend, aka Larry Legend, aka Larry Bird, who of course yesterday turned 64 years young, man. Larry Bird, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, easily a top five small forward of all time, one of the most skilled players we've ever had a chance to witness. If you had a chance to witness him, I did not have a chance to witness him in his prime because I was not born yet. But I have gone back and not just watched his highlights, but actually gone back and watched full game clips like when they beat the Houston Rockets. I think that was back in 84, 86. I think they beat them both years. Matter of fact, Um, and Larry's just a legend, man. Three-time NBA champ, three-time MVP, 12-time NBA All-Star, two-time Finals MVP, and he was officially inducted into the Hall of Fame in the class of 1998, man. What can you say about Larry Bird? He led Indiana State to a national championship. They didn't win it, but he did get them there in 1979, where they ultimately lost to Magic Johnson in the Michigan State Spartans. Of course, he won the Boston Celtics. Again, three NBA championships. And man, just the way that he played, because he wasn't the most athletic, excuse me, he wasn't the most physically gifted player, but from his shooting to his passing, he's probably one of the most underrated passers of all time, but Larry Bird, man, you just can't say enough for for him and about him. Again, shout out to him. Happy belated birthday, and may you have many more. But getting into today's topics at hand. So, we have to talk about James Harden. The James Harden saga in Houston looks like it is slowly but surely coming to an end. So, it was supposed to be, he was supposed to report to training camp. I believe on Sunday was their first day of training camp, and he wasn't there. Steven Silas, the new head coach of the Houston Rockets, said that he was dealing with COVID-19 protocols. And then, yesterday, he was supposed to be at practice, and he did not show up. And so today, it does sound like he is officially in Houston, but he did not practice. The only thing that he did was take a COVID-19 test. And so... Honestly, when I heard of this, when I first heard this news, I was when when James Harden first initially requested a trade alongside Russell Westbrook, the first thing that I thought was that, 
James Harden has zero leverage in this situation. And the only leverage that he might have in this situation is if Timur Fertitta decides, okay, I think I'm thankful for everything that James Harden gave us, so I'm gonna try and get him to a team of his preferred destination. And it came out again. His preferred destinations are the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, and I think the Miami Heat, all contenders, all in the Eastern Conference. Now, my thing is, James Harden is being absolutely foolish right now because I'm going to tell you guys this. On paper, again, on paper, the Houston Rockets have the second best roster in the Western Conference with James Harden on the team, John Wall coming back, DeMarcus Cousins coming back. You added Christian Wood. You got P.J. Tucker still. You have Eric Gordon still. You brought back Gerald Green. You still got Daniel House. I am a big fan of this Houston Rockets team. And Gerald Green actually made a quote today saying, I love what we're doing. It's much more ball movement in this offense. And that was the thing that was holding the Houston Rockets back. Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey's play style. Their offense was give the ball to James Harden and let him figure out a bucket. You cannot win an NBA championship playing like that because basketball is a team game. You cannot win when your offense is predicated around one single player to do everything for you. That is not a recipe for success. And James Harden got caught up in that. And now I'm frustrated at it because Steven Silas is going to incorporate a team offense where you pass the ball, where you move the ball, where James Harden can possibly play off the ball, where he probably will play off the ball, and the point guard will be John Wall. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's still going to get James Harden, that is, if he plays for the Rockets, he's still going to get the most shot attempts. He's still going to get the ball a lot. But if you watched how the Lakers beat the Houston Rockets in the playoffs this past season in the bubble, all the Lakers did was double James Harden and force the ball out of his hands and try and let the rest of the Houston Rockets beat them. And they had no answers for that. The Rockets had nobody else outside of Harden that could give them a bucket consistently because their offense was predicated strictly around James Harden. And so I'm looking at like, what is James Harden thinking? And so I'm thinking that he's thinking in his head, I want to win the championship and I don't feel that Houston is the best opportunity to give me that championship. Well, I think he's wrong. Honestly, I, I truly believe with Klay Thompson going down, of course, we don't wish injury upon anybody. But with Klay Thompson being hurt and going to miss this season, the Rockets are the second best team on paper in the West. I think with James Harden, they are better than the Clippers. I think they're better than the Dallas Mavericks. I think they're better than the Denver Nuggets. The only team, which is the top team in the league, and of course the defending champs that are in the way, is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think the Lakers, again, going into the season, are the best team, and they got better. But I do like this Houston Rockets team, and I feel horrible for Steven Silas, even though, you know, of course he's a millionaire, he's been in the NBA for a very long time, but it's his first head coaching opportunity, and you don't have your best player, your franchise player, and one of the greatest scores in NBA history on the court in training camp with the rest of his team, and that's just such a letdown, man, because James Harden is a phenomenal player, but really, I don't know what he's thinking, because again, he's under contract until 2023, he is 31 years young, and it's going to be up to Tillman Fertitta and Raphael Stone, the new general manager, to decide if they want to trade him to a preferred destination. They can honestly trade him for anybody. And I'm looking at it like, I don't necessarily think the way that Harden has been acting, that the Rockets are just going to cater to what he wants. They're not, they're, they're not just going to give him up to Brooklyn or to Philadelphia. Like, honestly, I feel like Harden is going to end up in a situation that he's going to end up hating. Like, I honestly feel like, 
James Harden might just end up getting traded to the Chicago Bulls. And why do I say the Chicago Bulls? Because one, the Bulls have the assets. And, and when I say assets, I mean players like Zach Levine, who's an up-and-coming star, Wendell Carter, Lowry Markkinen, and a couple other pieces, probably draft picks. And really, the thing is, I don't see any other organization that's willing to part ways with their stars and their young stars at that. Like, I don't see the Dallas Mavericks trying to tra- trying to trade Luka Doncic. I don't see the Utah Jazz trying to trade Donovan Mitchell. I don't see the Boston Celtics giving up Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown for Harden. I don't see the Miami Heat giving up Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero for James Harden. They could possibly, but I just don't see it happening. Maybe, just maybe the Pelicans end up giving up Brandon Ingram and trying to get James Harden. But aside from that, the only team that I could really see giving up their star player in a trade for James Harden is the Chicago Bulls. That's the only team. And that's because Billy Donovan is heading into his first year in Chicago. They're trying to build something. I don't think Billy Donovan is necessarily trying to be a part of a rebuild. And when you get a player like James Harden, you're automatically in contention for a top playoff spot. So I don't really know, but I'm just saying, James Harden isn't necessarily thinking this thing through. If you look at the Rockets roster, This is a really good team. And me personally, this is just me personally, I feel like John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins are going to bounce back. Now I know they have both come back from big time injuries. John Wall relies on his athleticism a lot. And so that's very scary when it comes to injuries. But at the same time, God willing, they stay healthy. And if they do stay healthy, this team could be dangerous, man. They could be a big-time lethal threat to the Los Angeles Lakers because I am under the impression that it is only two players in the league that can cause problems to Anthony Davis. And one of them is DeMarcus Cousins, who the Rockets have, and the other is Joel Embiid in Philly. And I know James Harden would like to play in Philly because, of course, Mike D'Antoni is, or excuse me, you know, Doc Rivers is there, and they got Daryl Morey there. Mike D'Antoni, of course, is in Brooklyn now, but so he has that relationship and that connection. But James Harden needs to get it together, man. This is not the way to go about it. You need to seriously sit down and have a conversation with Tim Fertitta and Raphael Stone and just ghosting your teammates, teammates that you've been with, like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker and Daniel House and those guys and Gerald Green. It's just not the right thing to do, man. This team is really good. Like, this team has almost every single piece that you would like to have to compete for a championship. Me personally, I think this is the most loaded Rockets team that James Harden has had in his tenure being in Houston. I really sincerely believe that. I don't think he's had a better team than this team. I know you can question John Wall. I know he's had Chris Paul. But this team, from top to bottom, has no holes in it. They have everything that you need to compete against the Los Angeles Lakers. And no, I don't think they're better than the Lakers. But as of now, I feel like they're the best team. If any team had a shot at beating the Lakers... I would pick the Houston Rockets. I don't trust the Clippers with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, even though I'm a big Kawhi fan. I'm not a big uh, Luka, or I'm a big Luka Doncic fan, but I'm not a big Kristaps Porzingis fan. I hate to say it. I just think he's too injury prone. I like the Denver Nuggets, but I don't think the Denver Nuggets have it all right now. I think they're still very young. I know, you know, Jamal Murray is ascending. I know Jokic is ascending, but I still expect more from Michael Porter Jr. I'm, you know, they lost, um... Paul Millsap, I believe, or I think they still do have Paul Millsap, but they added Jermichael Green. They have good pieces, but again, I just really trust this Houston Rockets team, and if Houston is able to keep James Harden down there, that's going to be a big-time win, because personally, I just feel like if I'm James Harden, I'm going to give this team at least one chance. 
play one more year in Houston. And then if you don't like the end results, if you guys, you know, get knocked out early in the playoffs, if you're not as high a seed as you would like to be, then leave. That's fine. But at least give it one merry-go-round because I truly feel that James Harden got brainwashed by the type of basketball that Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni were playing. And that's just not the type of basketball that you can win with and win a championship with. If at the end of the day, your goal is to win a ring, I guarantee you that the offensive style that Steven Silas is going to run for you is much better than what Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey gave you. I promise you. Steven Silas is going to bring a whole new flavor to Houston Rockets basketball. And their offense is going to look much better because, yes, the offense that they did run with ISO and stuff like that, it looks good in the regular season. It sometimes looks good in the playoffs. But when you get to the top of the West, when you're playing the Warriors, when you're playing the Lakers nowadays, it's not going to work. That is just the simple answer to the equation. It is not going to work. You need to pass the ball. You need to make the defense work. And you need to make the defense earn every stop that they can get. And so I just feel like Steven Silas could get the job done, man. I don't know what is going on with James Harden. I hope he's able to work it out. And if anything, at the very least, just give the Rockets one more chance. Just give the Rockets one more shot at this. They have and they've been putting together really good pieces alongside you of course it starts with the coach and i'm a big fan of steven silas and you have a really good roster so at least just give them one more shot and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out that's as simple as it is but not going to training camp when you're supposed to be there it's just not right especially when you're out partying and you're in las vegas and stuff like that amidst the pandemic it's just not right, man. So I hope James Harden figures it out. I hope the Rockets, if they don't figure it out, are able to get a trade because we've seen the situation before. We've seen it with Anthony Davis in New Orleans when he was trying to force his way out and eventually did. And of course, he's an NBA champion. We've seen when Jimmy Butler forced his way out of Minnesota and he got his wish and he's now in Miami. And they, or excuse me, he got traded to the Sixers, but now he's in Miami. And so it worked out for him. But who knows, man, because James or excuse me, yeah, James Harden could end up in a situation that he does not like, and he's going to have to play for that team, and that's going to be super hard. But at the same time, too, the Rockets are going to ask for a lot because if you guys remember, the Pelicans traded a lot in exchange to get, or excuse me, the, the Bucks traded a lot in order to get Drew Holiday. They traded away three future first-round picks to acquire Drew Holiday alongside Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. That is a lot. So imagine what the Rockets are going to ask in exchange for James Harden. They're going to ask for a little bit more than that because they got, the uh, the Pelicans that is, they got a lot for Drew Holiday, man. So again, I hope the Rockets and James Harden are able to figure it out. I hope Harden is just able to give it one more shot because I think this is a really good situation for him. Again, I think it's the best situation that he's had in Houston since he arrived back whenever he did when he first got traded from Oklahoma City. So that's just my two cents about it. Now, moving on. Let's talk about college basketball, and let's talk about the Kentucky Wildcats of Lexington, Kentucky, led by head coach John Calipari, the Wildcats. I believe they have officially dropped out of the top 25, which is the right thing to do. They are now sitting with a record, an overall record of one win and three losses. The only win that they have was their first game of the season against Moorhead State. Since then, they have gone on to lose against a really good Richmond Spiders team that's led by, you know, Chris Gilliard, um, or not Chris Gilliard, J uh, Chris Mooney, the head coach, excuse me, and Jacob Gilliard, the point guard, which is a really good Richmond team. Then they lost to Kansas, which is a, a, a decent Kansas team at best. And then on Sunday, they had their worst loss of the season so far, 
and that was against Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner, a team that won't even be able to qualify for the NCAA tournament because of sanctions and violations to their program, but really just not that good of a Georgia Tech team. Even though they do have experience, they have a lot of juniors and seniors, but honestly, that, the way that Kentucky lost this game, it was an ugly loss. So I want to talk about their problems, and I want to give you guys the solutions to fix those problems. So the problems that Kentucky have. The first thing that I noticed that was eye-popping against Georgia Tech was the lack of leadership and accountability because it felt like every single time that Kentucky had a turnover because look at listen to this stat. Kentucky has had 47 assists to 73 turnovers as a team. 47 assists to 73 turnovers. They had a lot versus Georgia Tech. I didn't look up exactly how many they have versus Georgia Tech. But it felt like every single time that they had a turnover against Georgia Tech, they would not get back. Instead of getting back and trying to stop Georgia Tech from getting an easy layup or dunk, they would pout and they would complain and they would ask the rest for a foul and stuff like this. And I'm looking at like, okay, what are you guys doing? This is a problem. When you're turning the ball over and you're not getting back on defense, that's probably the number one thing that coaches hate. That will make any coach in America infuriated you cannot do stuff like that and their body language looked terrible it looked like for a minute it looked like most of these players didn't want to play with each other like bj boston didn't look like he wanted to play with terrence clark terrence clark didn't look like he wanted to play with bj boston and listen i do not want to break this team up because i still have a lot of faith in this team me personally i had this team in my top 25 as a top five team in the nation and i still think they could reach that but right now they have a lot of problems. And that first one was leadership and accountability. They are lacking at that. My next problem is defense. The only person for Kentucky that has played consistent defense this season so far in their first four games has been Isaiah Jackson. And Isaiah Jackson, to be fair, is one of the best shot blockers in America, easily. He is a defensive presence that you simply cannot replace. But aside from that, the defensive effort has been lackadaisical at the, at the best, at the most. And that's my thing too. Defense is effort. Defense is not skill like offense. You need skill to be a good offensive player or you need strength or something like that or sometimes even athleticism. But defense is really just a commitment to slide your feet, to show effort, to use your hands, to show off your wingspan and stop the player that you're guarding. And I'm just like, what is really going on? Because you have all these different athletes. Terrence Clark is 6'8 with a long, with a long wingspan. BJ Boston is 6'7 with a long wingspan. Olivier Sartre is 7 foot with a long wingspan. You need these guys to play good defense. Devin Askew got recruited to Kentucky mostly because of his defense. I know it's a big part because they missed out on getting Kay Cunningham, but Devin Askew has been known mostly for his defense, more so than his offense. And so when you're not getting that, that's not going to help you guys out. And that's another thing too. When you're not getting consistent defensive pressure and stops, you're not able to get out in transition and score because right now Kentucky's half-court offense is terrible and Georgia Tech did a really good job because for majority of the game they played a 1-3-1 zone and they forced Kentucky to take shots and Kentucky if you know has not been able to knock down shots even though Terrence Clark played pretty good scoring 22 points and BJ Boston got a chance to see a couple shots go down from three they still have not been shooting the ball all that well and so Georgia Tech did a good job of forcing them into tough shots and so they need to really 
clamp down on the defensive side of the ball so that that leads to easy opportunities in transition on offense because in transition for the most part this team could potentially be unguardable with bj boston terrence clark they have a lot of good players to get out in the fast break but if they're not getting stops on defense they're not going to get any opportunities to get in transition offense and that's going to hinder them a lot because again their offensive in in the half court their half court offense has not been good whatsoever so that's another thing too Another thing, Olivier Saar, the Wake Forest transfer, has simply not played good. And I don't just want to harp on him because we're about to talk about another player too, but Olivier Saar has simply not played good. He's missed a lot of layups. He missed a big-time putback dunk against Kansas. He has not looked good at all. And Isaiah Jackson needs more help in the front court. Jacob Toppin did look good against Georgia Tech. I will give him that. Shout out to Jacob Toppin. He actually put in some good minutes versus Georgia Tech. But Olivier Saar needs to step up. You're a starter. You're the only player really that even though you haven't played for Kentucky, you have the most college basketball experience out of everybody on your roster. And that includes Davion Mintz. So you need that to happen too. So Olivier Saar has to step up point blank period. Now, the biggest thing and what everybody has been talking about ever since they lost to Georgia Tech on Sunday is the point guard problem. And me personally, going into the season, I knew Kentucky was going to have point guard problem because Devin Askew is young, and it was actually a play where Devin Askew was about to beat the zone. He was literally in, he was at the top of the free throw line, and he he did a behind the back move, and he was past his defender. But instead of going for the floater or going for the lob pass to a big man who was on the block, he decides to pick up the ball and throw it back out to the wing. And Georgia Tech defensively was able to recover. And I was just like, what is Devin Askew doing? And I don't want to just, you know, disrespect and throw dirt on Devin Askew's name. But I know he's young. I know he's inexperienced. It's hard going from high school basketball to playing for Kentucky. And I was just like, okay, he needs to just sit down, evaluate the game, and let the game slow down in his head. Because once the game slows down in your head, it becomes that much more easier. The game is fast. When you're on the court, you're moving at what seems like a 1,000 miles per hour. But if you're able to slow down the game, it makes it so much easier for you. So they need to fix the point guard problem. And yes, I agree with the people who have been saying that Terrence Clark needs to be the full-time point guard because Terrence Clark is 6'8", 6'7"-ish, and his handle is really good, first of all. He knows how to make the proper reads at the point guard position. And the most important thing is he can get his feet into the paint. That's something that Devin Askew has been lacking in. Because Devin Askew isn't that aggressive. Terrence Clark is aggressive. Terrence Clark is going to try to get to the rack at will. And so that was the thing, too. You need paint touches. You need to be able to bring the defense in. And that way you can pass out to your shooters. And that's the thing, too. Davion Mintz, as of now is the best shooter for Kentucky. He's going to have to start knocking down shots to make life easier for the rest of his teammates. So you got to get that down. And that's going to be a big-time thing moving forward, man. But all in all, I I don't know why, but I still like this Kentucky team. They have all the right pieces. It's just about putting those pieces together. And as of now, they're going to have a week span between the loss to Georgia Tech or about a week span, the loss to Georgia Tech, and they're going to play their next game, I believe, on Saturday against Notre Dame at home. So they're going to have an opportunity to make up a, a, a loss, these past couple of losses, this three-game losing streak, and get back on the right track and beat Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is not going to be an easy win. Even though Notre Dame isn't the best team in the ACC, Mike Bray has put them in a loaded non-conference schedule. Of course, they play in the ACC conference. 
Notre Dame ain't just no bad team. They have Prentice Hub, who's a really good point guard, and he honestly might be better than both of Kentucky's point guards as of right now. But the rest of their team is okay, but it's not going to be an easy game. I promise you that. The way Kentucky has been playing, I do expect Kentucky to win, but it's not going to be an easy 40 minutes. They're going to have to earn every single thing. And that's another thing, too. Like, Kentucky... They've been competing. I got to give them that. Even though the Georgia Tech game, they look just terrible. For the most part, they have been in these games just off the strength of their talent. Just off their talent. They have been able to stay in these games. And aside from that, they're just not playing good team basketball. They're not making the extra pass. They're not looking for the open teammate. Honestly, it's kind of some selfish things going on. But I truly believe that Coach Calipari is going to figure this out. It's just a matter of time. And honestly, if you're if you're a Kentucky fan, this happens every year. If you really pay attention, this happens every year. The only reason it's more magnified than usual is because you guys aren't winning games. But if you think about it, every single year, Kentucky has to make the transition from high school basketball to college basketball, the freshman, because, of course, John Calipari has chosen to recruit one and dones. And so it's not an easy adjustment, but you, you live with that. That's your recruiting style. You have to live with your decisions. But really, it's just the fact that they're losing games that everybody's seeing this on a broader scale. But everybody has to adjust. P.J. Washington had to adjust. Tyler Hero had to adjust. Shea Gilders-Alexander had to adjust. All these different players had to adjust. Ashton Hagens had to adjust. This team is just super young. And again, it's not an excuse. It's not a crutch. This is the way that Coach Calipari has decided to recruit. It's no excuses. So you got to live with that. you got to live with your decisions. But... Give this team time. I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. I know it does not look like it right now, but this team has the pieces. They just simply have to put it together, man. But as always, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. As always, shout to Nuts and Bolts Sports, man. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist. Featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash bloggers slash journalists. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Go follow us. Go like our stuff. Go retweet our stuff. For all your sports news and needs, I promise you Nuts and Bolts Sports has everything for you. From basketball to football to soccer to rugby to wrestling to swimming. Whatever sports you love, I promise you Nuts and Bolts Sports has it for you. Again, we are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, I am also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other really, really talented podcast hosters and content creators. So please go check out our long list of sports podcasts too because we got a whole bunch of really talented sports podcasts on there. So please go check us out on there as well, man. But of course, there's been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. As always, please like comment subscribe rate review and share and if you listen to my podcast on apple podcast please leave a rate and review that is how we share grow and expand the podcast i will talk to you guys soon as always you guys stay safe out there peace love and blessings gone